They did not do him a favor with that haircut. He could charm yes. someone to death. She just reminds me of a toe. He's a effeminate man riding a camel. Let me lower you into the yard and let you yeah. do your business. I was your ghost, Murph. What's a pull-up? <laughs> I'm eating a mint. I thought you would talk longer. I'm sorry. He's so red, but also so pale. Hey there, I'm Jordan. And I'm Nick. We're just two regular guys who love talking about film. And now we'd like to talk to you. We decided to break down our discussions into three parts. Because everyone loves a gimmick. We discuss our expectations for a film before we watch it. That's take one. We give our immediate thoughts following the film. That's take two. And finally, we research the film at length to prepare for an informed and in-depth discussion. And that's take three. So if you love film even half as much as we do, join in on the conversation. This is take three, a movie podcast. Take one. So can you believe we have done 16 episodes? Like full-length episodes. I think we've done like four quick takes, but... And this is number 17? Yeah. This movie's 17? Yeah. What a strange number to end a season on. I can't think of any shows that have 17 episodes. Yeah, me either. Honestly, other than now, take three. But yeah, this is our season finale. It is. Not series finale, season finale. We will be back. Yeah. It just felt like a good time to take a small break and work on our Patreon, work on setting up some guests for you guys in season two planning the movies out so we're not scrambling at the last minute to decide what movie we want to do. <laughs> yeah, we're it'll be will be a much more efficient, well-run season 2 and um yeah, I'm very I'm I'm pumped for it. Same. And this week I could not be more excited for this movie. I haven't seen it in a while. I got to say that it's I'm trying to think of the last time I watched this. I guess the last time I watched this movie was at a local theater that puts it on at the end of every month. They have they have live actors get up and, like, I guess, say the words along with the movie playing behind them, and they're all dressed up. Oh, so you've told me about this. I thought it was just an actual play on a stage. I didn't no. realize that they were doing it in front of the actual movie. They'd, like, do it along to the movie, yeah. Oh, and, like, people, people dress up, and it's just a very fun, interesting experience. We, we dressed up and I, uh, went as Janet. So I, and it was in October and I was wearing a bra and a, a thing. I guess, I don't know if what you would call it, but like some sort of like underwear that girls wear. Basically I was trying a wig. I was trying to look like Susan Sarandon and, um, and my friend Alex, who was a female was Brad. So we were a, uh, gender bent yeah. characters. It was it was fun. It was awkward, but um, I know that like in this particular one, I mean, people were very like interactive. I know that if you, if you admitted to it being your first time, they would write a V on your forehead, and there would be a point in time where you had to get up, and they would go, they would bring you up on stage, and they would spank you with a paddle. This, that just does not sound fun to me yeah. like at all. I, like, I think before you were telling me that you'd want me to see the live version first. Yeah, and I heard rumors of this, and I'm like, "What? Well, that doesn't sound fun." Like, I don't, I don't want to go so to something like this. I wouldn't make, I wouldn't, I wouldn't make you say that you were a, a virgin, is what they called it, or what they called us. Um, but like, I do think it's it's a very, and I, I think this movie being as weird and as culty and as 
strange and enjoyable or unenjoyable as it is. I think just watching this movie now will probably make you want to see it in a live audience, either so you can appreciate it more or appreciate it at all. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know how you'll feel about this, but um, it's a weird movie. I have my hesitations about this movie, um, but I'm very I'm ready to finally check it off my list because I feel like I get the death glare every time I tell someone that I haven't seen this movie. Yeah, it seems from me. Yeah, like everyone, <laughs> every like more than any other movie. I feel like this is the movie that gets the most aggressive reaction when people are told that they have not seen it. Well, um, it is. I, I will say that, like the fact that this is Pride Month. This is a very very LGBT-esque movie. So I think that people of the LGBT-esque, you know, uh, crowd, sh- you know what I mean? I think they maybe expect that someone might have experienced this. I mean, I, I'm more shocked that you weren't into it when you went to college in the city. And I'm surprised, like, they didn't. That's probably when I first found out about it was yeah. college. Like, you I didn't know about this a bunch of artsy people. I'm, so, I'm really <laughs> surprised college, yeah. that that was not like a bigger thing there. Mm-mm. Um, nope. I missed opportunity. Yeah. Well, I mean, w- we can do it. They literally have it at the end of the month, every month at this theater that by my house. So anytime you want to do it, we should, but first let's watch this movie and talk about it. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> cool. I know very little about this movie. I know that Susan Sarandon's in it and I know that Tim Curry is in it. Uh, I know it's like been on and off Broadway for a while. I know it's sort of like a cult favorite, but there's one thing that I do know about this movie from like Tumblr and it, it gets memed what? to hell all the time. What is it? I don't want to tell you yet because Why? I want to see you shiver with anticipation. Day two. Michael Rennie was ill the day the earth stood still, but he told us where we stand. And Flash Gordon was there in silver underwear. Claude Rains was the invisible man. Then something went wrong for Fay Ray and King Kong. They got caught in a celluloid jam. Then at a deadly pace, it came from outer space. And this is how the message ran. Science fiction. Did you like that movie? I I don't know what I just watched, to be honest. I don't... I don't get it. I really don't get it. I'm sorry. I just I don't understand. I think this is one of those things where you had to be there. Like, you had to be in the generation that it came out and grow up with it. Well, this movie came out in 1975, so it is 44 years old, so I didn't grow up with it either. I mean, actually, you know what I did, but I didn't grow up in the right time period. I didn't grow up but in the But you 70s. grew up with it nonetheless. Like, yeah. this is my, yeah. This, I don't mean this to be offensive. Apologize, apologies if I offend anyone with this, but, like, am I just misunderstanding this movie? Is this one of those movies that's, like, supposed to be so bad that it's good? Or like people love it because it's so bad. So I think part of it, I think it's definitely supposed to be like so campy that it's good. And it is a throwback to the old science fiction double features, right? Uh, And it's no doubt weird and quirky and silly and stupid 
and weird and weird and weird. Um, okay. Maybe I just need to watch it a second time. Can you explain to me what a double feature is? Uh, two movies. Basically, uh, you know, the way they used to screen movies back in the day, a movie going to the movie theater was like an event. And uh, it you was, saw two feature length movies back to back. Yeah, it was like going to the movies was like an evening. You, an evening. So like Death Proof. Yeah. What was that movie paired with? Uh, Planet Terror. That was that was Grindhouse. Right. It was marketed as Grindhouse. Planet Terror was by Robert Rodriguez. Death Proof was by Quentin Tarantino. It's the same kind of concept. A lot of times um, they would just pair movies together. They would be like a an A movie and a B movie. Um, they're, like I, I'm not kidding. Like there would be – you know, maybe a movie that was meant to draw a little bit more of an audience, but like with the science fictiony kind of, kind of movies, you can necessarily tell sometimes, um, it could get really weird. I mean, there were, you know, yeah, this was, this was weird. I mean, I don't know. Okay. So here's, I'll explain it this way. I feel like this is very different from the shining. I didn't, I didn't hate this. I think I just, I truly just don't understand it. Whereas The Shining, I, I legitimately did not like. And I know that we've talked about in that episode that, uh, you know, it wasn't really well received when it first came out. So maybe people watching it over and over maybe liked it more. I, can, I can't see myself liking The Shining. I can see myself maybe enjoying this the more I watch it. But I also compare this to like, like Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, if you were to watch it today... Not a great movie. Oh, I love Beetlejuice. Me too. I love, I, it's entertaining as hell. Not a great movie. Uh, doesn't make sense. Uh, but, but like I would watch it a million times and I I feel like maybe this is one of those movies. I don't know. I can respect it. I just maybe don't, I don't get it. I don't understand the hype or really the plot. I think, I don't know. That was a ride. That was a wild ride. And I'm just, I don't know how to feel right now. It's definitely one of those kind of movies that is polarizing. You know, I could see a lot of people being very turned off by very early by some of the the corny and cheesiness of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you can view it as like a love letter to those old sort of movies, I understand that those are a lot of movies that you've not seen. I mean, granted, I'm not seeing a lot of them either. Um, I've seen some probably or a decent amount enough to to be able to understand some of these references for me, what gets me and what draws me in it just, it, it's, it's timeless is the music. I will never grow sick of the time warp or damn it, Janet. I mean, just like the songs, <laughs> I will say that like the, the best songs are in the first, you know, 45 minutes in my opinion, but um, they are, they're like, in my opinion, like some of the best songs ever put in a movie. Like they are so fun and enjoyable and crazy. And like, it's that kind of like rock and rolly type, you know, dance, like fun, quirky, weird music. I don't, I just, I really, I really enjoy it. It's certainly incredibly campy. Um, I loved Tim Curry in it. I thought he was great. Uh, Susan Sarandon was great also. Yeah, it had some catchy songs, but like a lot of the singing was off pitch. And I that was sort of like, I wasn't sure if that was on purpose or not. I think I would benefit from take three and kind of researching this movie, maybe even watching it a second time 
to really understand its roots, where it came from, why it is the way it is. Yeah. That well, kind of thing. I have, There's a couple of things that I wanted to talk to you about that I think might enhance your opinion of it just a little bit. Um, first off, it was based on a play. Uh, right, right. And yeah. it was written by the person that plays Riff Raff. If you don't know who Riff Raff is, it's like his butler, the bald guy with like the the hair on the sides. He's the stereotypical like hunchback henchman yeah. butler that you would see in every yeah. Adam's family uh uh oh oh who is the Lurch kind of yeah like the Munsters. Yeah. I feel like they had one too. I, I could be wrong, I don't know, but yeah, I don't know. Continue. But, uh, I'm sorry for interrupting. No, you're fine. Um his name is Richard O'Brien and he wrote the play and that's him singing the song I was just singing, science fiction double feature. That was him? Yeah. That wasn't a female singer? No. You also keep saying play. It was a musical, correct? Like, did it have music in when it was a play? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, yes, it was a, a musical. I, I I know there's a difference. That's right. I thought that was pretty cool. And I think on like a $1.4 million budget, this movie has uh, made close to like $140 million overall. Just like how many times people replay it. And it's kind of like the room, you know, it's definitely found more appreciation as time has gone on. uh, And people view it very much as like a cult experience, being able to go and make a night of dressing up and, and interacting with the, with the, the movie or the actors that are acting it out on stage. I think people gravitate to how strange and weird and quirky it is. I get like, that's, that's, that's my people. That's like, I, I know, which is blows me away that you'd never seen this movie. I I, honestly, I'm surprised. I'm surprised as well. But, um, but I, I guess I get it. I don't know. I feel like I would need to watch this again. I have 48 hours on the rental. So, Oh, okay. Well, I, I think we should watch it again. Uh, when, you come here and we can oh live yeah go yeah. see it live i mean it was just the kind of i mean i had seen the movie before but it it was just such a a very like a fun experience seeing everybody who just loves this movie and who who comes every month you know what i mean and like yeah, yeah. people all dressed up and i mean like i very quickly like was suddenly not so embarrassed that i was in a bra and panties you know <laughs> like it, it, it just it's like oh everybody's you know here to have a good time and it was cool also looking up to see if this was on hulu or netflix uh i found that the they just did a i don't want to call it a revival but like a remake i guess they did like a live i don't know if, i think it was like a live um was like it live? one of those things that they played on you know what maybe not now that i'm thinking about it i don't think, i don't know if it was like like Grease Live or like Rent Live. You know how they yeah. did that stuff like on TV? I don't know. But like I, you, you're talking about the one with Laverne Cox. Yeah, yeah. So like I guess maybe it was a revival of sorts if it wasn't live. But I saw that that was on Hulu. And that was sort of in the back of my mind when we were watching it. And it makes me super interested to see who they picked for the yeah. cast. So I think I want to watch that also to see. That really that actually could be fun and interesting. I, yeah. I, that kind of lets or that kind of provides a decent segue into um, some of the more problematic things that I just want to discuss. I feel like uh, I'm sorry that every movie it seems that we picked that came out before 2000 seems to have problems with it, but it's crazy that we can't find one that's like 
just fully wholesome and not, you know, a G-rated Disney movie. You know, I think modern day having a an actress who is transgendered playing someone who is from a galaxy named transsexual or a, I don't know if it's a planet named transsexual. I don't know. It's it's a it's a place named transsexual. I guess maybe that's more appropriate than having a I, I think Tim Curry's straight. I don't think he's gay. That would honestly surprise me. You know what? I don't I feel like I've I've done research. I don't know that he's really public about it, but um I could we'll we'll figure that out. But uh if he's you know, not, what a great sport. Good yeah, for him. And, that, and that's what makes me like to me uh when uh like as a gay person when when guys when straight men play gay characters to to be honest with you, that does not bother me. I understand that like it is a matter of like gay people don't always get to have but so many roles and we should make roles for gay people. And that's that's that is understandable. But like I don't want a gay person to not be able to play a straight person. So I can't really say that a straight person can't play a gay person. Right. But it it's hard when they're identifying as like for being from transsexual trans. I get that at the end of it, it's an alien, they're aliens and it's not necessarily like our understanding of the word transsexual and that he is identifying as a transvestite, which is just a cross dresser. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know, the waters can get a little bit muddied, um, especially when you are trying to adapt this in modern day. Like I remember watching it on Glee and they had, um, Mercedes, who was a African-American female play, the character of Frankenfurter. And she said, I'm a sweet transvestite from sensational Transylvania. And I, I remember thinking like, oh, that's actually, I mean, it's, it's, that's an interesting like way. I, Solution. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause it's like, yeah. I don't know. I really do. I mean, I have to check my privilege. Like some things don't occur to me right away. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I'm always open to being educated, but like, you know, white cisgendered male, like doesn't always see certain things that maybe you're, you should. And I'm completely own up to that. Um, but I'm glad that they did that. And uh, this movie again is 44 years old. So like, I think they handled it you know, appropriately for the time. I don't, I don't know if we were as woke as we are now, not, not we as in me necessarily, but just as a society. Uh, so I don't know that it was as uh, problematic back then. I know that there's also a scene in the movie where he goes in dressed up as Janet and uh, <laughs> is very forceful to Brad. And then, or I think he goes to Janet first dressed up as Brad. And I mean, it's played for laughs, but like nowadays you would see that and be like, okay, problematic. Yeah. You know, but we've yeah. dealt with this in movies before where they're, they're older in certain aspects, certain, uh, certain things, you know, either played for laughs or even serious, um, because we are a growing society reviewing a movie that is, has aged as decades old a lot of times you can run into problems. I don't know. There has to be a movie out there that was <laughs> like released back then that isn't so problematic that we both like. I'm looking for it, you know. Please suggest movies for us to do. Um, yeah, yeah. Yes, do that, do that. Yeah. You can email us, take3amp at gmail.com. We're on all major social media sites, take3amp. Reach out to us, let us know. We'd love to hear from you guys. We just really, I mean, it's a bummer to like have to be like, I'm sorry that we're doing this. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I want to talk about a movie and address its flaws, but like, I also don't want to like 
have to uh, apologize for it. Yeah, like I don't excuse I mean, for it. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I don't want anyone to think that we like support transphobia or racism or anything like that. It's like we are trying to to deep dive into a movie, regardless of the problems it has. It's just there have been movies where we're like, okay, let's not even try this. Like I don't <laughs> yeah. even want to have to. Like, We'll set up take one and everything, and yeah. then we get in the movie. We're like, God damn it, we can't do this. It's just, yeah. it's really frustrating. We've also done movies that were like, oh, this actually sucks. We forgot that this movie is not that great. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, for this movie in particular, though, addressing the fact that it is, it, it, you know, it has aged, it still is a cult phenomenon. People still really love this movie. The music is in my opinion, perfect. It is probably one of my favorite musicals. Uh, I am, there are definitely parts that I don't like or appreciate, but overall I, I, I do enjoy this movie. I think it, it's a, uh, a really good quirky, weird, like culty kind of movie that I will gladly go see with you anytime you want to go <laughs> and watch it acted out on stage. I th- it's just fun. So long as I can not advertise that it's my first time going. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you'll have to dress up at least in a maid's outfit. I kind of liked the uh, when they were doing the time warp. I feel like all of the people who were dancing, they had hats and sunglasses yeah, yeah, and stuff yeah. on. Like, and that like, could be fun. They they kind of like usher in and serve as like a, um, like a choir for some yeah. of the other songs. I, I appreciated them more than I think I ever have when, when we just watched this. I'm like, oh, I really like this to, them too. So wait, were we supposed to believe that they were aliens too? So they were like the bikers that rolled up. Who the hell knows? To be honest with you, like <laughs> some of the, um, I, I think I, I was kind of reading that. Like Columbia was in love with him. Frank uh, the girl Frank. that was tap dancing during the time warp. And, yeah. um, but she was also in love with Eddie but then Eddie is Meatloaf, the guy with the saxophone that comes in is promptly killed. Oh, right. Okay. And, and she was upset that like, she's like, you, you tossed me aside for Eddie and then you tossed Eddie aside for Rocky. So I don't know if he like had relationships with each of these two. I don't, I'm not sure how it went down. Can you talk to me about Meatloaf? I don't understand why. He, I don't understand his character at all. So I, the way that they, they portrayed him. Was he in him, a freezer? Yeah, like they had they had put him in deep freeze and he broke out or something. He and he was singing a song and then then he got killed. Then he, they killed him. Yeah, I don't like he was apparently at least under the suspicion of like trying to figure out what they were doing or like he like worked for the United States government or something. And you, when you find out that they were aliens, maybe there's like some sort of motivation to kill him in, uh, there. But like, yeah, no, I don't. I don't understand all of this movie. It's not very clear. <laughs> I really do like the music, though. That's fair. Fair enough. Yeah. And well. I like um, the character that plays Rocky. Um, I like that he can't talk, but he can sing. I think that's funny to me. And like when when uh, oh when Frankenverter is singing that song, like "I'll Make You a Man" or something yeah. like. I feel like that's what it's called. Um, or I can make seven days. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like the, the dances that he does and like the, he's like curling his biceps and like just dance. Like it's just so like, I I thought that actor did a really good job. I don't even know his name to be honest with you. I guess it never clicked to me that he couldn't speak. 
There were times when he was silent, like oddly silent. And I was like, I don't know why you're not talking. And I think it confused me because it, he did sing at some point, right? Oh, yeah. He sang uh, like at the end and he sang right when he was born, too. Huh. Do you have a favorite line from this movie? Um, you invented this game. Yeah, but like I thought I was going to have till take three to think about it. Um, uh, do you have a favorite line from this movie? In typical Jordan fashion, uh, I like to cheat when we play games. And mine's not so much a line as it is a look. And it was when Brad was like, so does anyone know the Madison? <laughs> and it's Susan Sarandon's face after he says that. That's my favorite part in this movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's That's like, funny. like, I could watch that on a loop. I thought that was hysterical. That is good. Let me think about it. Let me. Uh, All right. And I'll, I mean, don't forget. Shut up. <laughs> Take three. I will tell you my favorite. Uh, I'll tell you my favorite line. Good yeah, time. I feel like this is way too long. And let's let's move on. All right. Take three. So did you know that this is the first movie Tim Curry had ever been in? Like this is his first feature film. Yes, that was actually one of my points that I that I brought was gonna bring up. That is like so crazy to me that this is how you would make your debut, you know? Yeah. I mean he's so prolific and it got me thinking about the very popular meme that I see a lot of places is that you could tell a lot about a person by where they know Tim Curry from. (laughs) So I want (laughs) to ask you, like, how do you know Tim Curry? So I'm sure he's in a bunch of things that you've seen this now being another one, but where's like the place. It's definitely not this movie. And it's, I feel like I knew Tim Curry's characters before I knew Tim Curry as an actor. Uh, so it's tough to answer that question because I feel like I, I got to know his characters so much. And then it was only later when I realized that it was Tim Curry. Um, I, like his most popular being Pennywise uh, in the the first adaptation of, of It. But I think like w- the, the most popular one that like when I think Tim Curry, the one that sticks out in my head is Nigel Thornberry. If you were to just tell me Tim Curry characters that's the one that would probably pop into my head the most. And I think that is probably my favorite as well. Like, like he, that's just hysterical. But yeah. <laughs> the fact that that's been memed as well, like the, his face <laughs> and the voice is just perfect. Uh, I, it's just my favorite. Yeah, Totally valid. He's an actor who's been in such a wide variety of things. He's been able to kind of be iconic in all these different areas. It's, it's actually, mm-hmm. it's pretty cool. And you think about like, I know people who, they're like, oh, he's the guy in Home Alone. And I mean, I, like. Was he in Home he's Alone? He's in Home Alone too. Is he one of the bad guys in Home Alone? Um, no, he is. Uh, oh, he's like the hotel yeah, guy. Yeah, in yeah, Home Alone too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I obviously, I, I, even though this isn't the first thing I had seen him in, this will always be how I know Tim Curry. Like, Frankenfurter will always come to my mind. Uh, <laughs> and I think it, I mean, while he's good, I think the it TV movie is terrible. So I don't like, I don't I feel really like, like we, that movie at all. So didn't we try it? We tried like 20 minutes of it and I'm like, I'm so bored. I don't like this. It's this just is not good. To, to, I, like I understand like it was made in the nineties and it was trying to go back even farther and, and portray this, the, the way kids acted, but like, 
God, it seems so cheesy and heavy handed. <laughs> and like, whereas the new it, uh, we are going to do it by the way, in the second season, we just, <sighs> we just planned it all out. So I'm very excited. Yeah. Uh, but, um, in the original adaptation of it, he felt very child molestery. Whereas <laughs> like the new Pennywise really just seems like a clown demon. Which I think I gravitate yeah, like towards. Yeah, like a flesh more. hungry. Yeah, yeah. Like he's yeah. a monster versus like literal uh, child molester pedophile guy in a clown costume. Yeah, yeah. He also uh, this is sort of a guilty pleasure of mine. I'm not really too proud of it. Uh, you know what? Actually, fuck the guilt. It's whatever. I listened to all 13 books of the series of unfortunate events novels yeah and he did the he did the narration for all of those books and he did a wonderful job he can do like so many voices and he, he, he made those really fun he so. has an incredible voice and we've uh i've had the pleasure of listening to at least one of those with you just a little bit of it i not the entire thing but i <laughs> I, I was impressed that i was like wow he's doing all of these like all these people's voices that was actually yeah. really cool mm-hmm. um yeah, I just thought that was a decent way to start it. He's obviously a very prolific and important actor, and I think he's – I mean, it's not like he's dead, but I think his legacy will outlive him for sure. You yeah. know what I mean? He will always be remembered. So that's great. Right, right. And it's um, – I don't know if it's too early to bring this up, but I – we'll, we'll bring it up later. But I started watching the remake – uh, and it, I realized it wasn't a live show. Like it was an actual recorded yeah. movie. Um, and he plays the, I guess like the investigator guy that's sort of narrating everything. Yeah. Who's like, he's in his office and he's looking through the files. He doesn't, he doesn't look too good. And I just he looked online stroke. and says, yeah, he had a stroke yeah. apparently, which I didn't realize. Yeah. He's um, been, I mean, he's definitely had a rough time as of late but as for this movie i had something that i wanted to talk about that i think i've probably been talking to you about since we met which is the experience of going to see this thing live Mm -hmm. apparently when this movie came out it bombed in 1975 it was not very well received and it was re-released as like a midnight movie and that's when the whole audience participation thing really like boomed and everybody started doing it. And I wanted to talk about some of the different rituals that are carried out during an actual screening of this film, just because I think they're actually really kind of neat and clever. And if we ever were to go, it would, you know, behoove you to know some of them. I, I don't think that I was fully prepared. I don't think anybody I went with was fully prepared i think we maybe had like a couple of them but um there are a lot (laughs) i was gonna say i'd love to hear how what you're about to say compares with your actual experience with seeing it live like i want to know if these things actually happen they did yeah i remember like the the all the ones that are were like major and that i can really remember did happen yeah so um apparently every theater has different rituals that they do places but uh there are some more common widespread ones Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the ones I have, I have a list. So at the beginning, uh, for the wedding, people bring rice and throw it along with the on-screen wedding guests. So there's just rice flying through the air. Jeez. Oh, yeah. What a nightmare to clean up. Exactly. I mean, need to be. yeah, a lot of this is like, <laughs> what are y'all doing to the theater owners? Uh, yeah. Um, they bring newspapers to cover their heads during the scene where Jane oh, the covers rain her scene. head. Yeah. With the rain. Yeah. Um, and this is probably not permitted anymore because of the awful world we live in, but 
people would bring water guns to simulate the rain during the storm. During the song Over at the Frankenstein Place, there's a verse that says there's a light over at the Frankenstein Place. Mm -hmm. And um, during that line, everybody turns on flashlights or their cell phone light and it like lights up the theater. That's cool. People bring their rubber gloves to snap them in sync when uh, Frankenfurter does it during his like creation speech right before he unveils Rocky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Um, at the end of the creation speech, the Transylvanians respond with applause and noisemakers, and people do that and bring like tambourines and clackers and, and all this crazy loud stuff. Um, <laughs> and when Dr. Scott enters the lab, Brad cries out, Great Scott, you know, and everybody hurls rolls of toilet paper into the air, like Scott's toilet paper. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and <laughs> I don't think we did that. Um, I know we, I was going to say, I feel like going to one of these, you have to bring like a whole bag of groceries right? to, right? Yeah, exactly. Geez. It's an investment. Uh, yeah. When Frank proposes a toast, people throw bread into the air. <laughs> uh, well, I hope they toasted it first. Huh? Like they should throw toast. Yeah. Well, toast is bread. Right. But not all bread is toast. I mean, I, there's probably, it's probably toasted. You're right. I, I've I never checked so. the the consistency of the bread. Well, just do better next the, time. The one time I went, I didn't <laughs> do that. I'm sorry. Uh, at the at the dinner table, when Frank puts on a party hat, people bring party hats and put them on. They bring a bell and would ring it right before Frankenfurter sings the line, uh, "Did you hear a bell ring?" in the song "Planet Schmanet Janet." It's when they're uh, at the dinner table, I believe. Uh -huh. During the song, I'm Going Home, it's like the last song. Or it might be. It's like one of the last songs. It's like once they've been in the pool and everything. Uh, mm -hmm. Frank sings cards for now, cards for pain, and people throw cards, like playing cards into the air. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it's an investment, and it, I'm sure it's a pain in the ass to clean up. I've heard things about people – because. They call people a hot dog in this movie, and people would take hot dogs and throw hot them. Dogs. Yeah, and like, oh my god, uh, I I read something that was like most theaters have gone against this because apparently hot dogs attract rodents, and I'm like, rice probably attract rodents too, and toast, and like any sort of food that you just leave on the ground probably yeah. attracts rodents, but. To be honest with you, I don't remember like fully. I'm going to try to find the picture of me dressed up and put it on our Instagram. Uh, don't hold me to that because I don't know if I can find it or not. But Or I might chicken out to put this online. It depends on how, how stupid I look, if I remember correctly. I was going to say that's a... Uh... I don't really have much shame uh, <laughs> or much pride. I'm, I'm full of shame. Maybe, maybe that's it. Uh, it is definitely an experience that, if anything increases your respect for a movie just w watching how many people are so into it and how many people have made this a not only just like a fun hobby but almost like a lifestyle there's the the way that my theater does it and a lot of people do is they do have people acting it out in front of it's a process called shadow casting so the shadow cast are the people that literally just act along with the actors on screen and like mm -hmm. that's that's some dedication well are they like just in front of the projector yeah. huh that's interesting they're just standing on stage and behind them is the movie playing out so like I can imagine that there are people that are like we don't really care to see you I think I guess there are enough people there that are like no, you guys bring something to the 
performance. Like, I don't know that I would want to stand up on stage and be blocking someone's view of a movie to do the exact same thing. But uh, apparently it brings them joy. It brings the audience joy. I thought it was actually really cool that there were actual people there dressed up and they were, and it was fun and silly. And I mean, about as, as serious as a movie that this is, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like it's not like uh, people going in and acting out some sort of serious drama, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. This is a, a ridiculous movie and a ridiculous <laughs> concept to have all these random people dressed up and throwing things and yelling things. And imagine being one of those actors. I feel like that's just a great experience overall. Yeah, I'm sure once you get over the whole, you know, should I be here? Am I bothersome to these people? You realize that people really do enjoy the experience. It hypes up the room. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I always thought it was weird, like, when people clapped in movie theaters. I still do. Um, like, after, they, once the movie's done? Yeah, because it's like there's nobody behind the theater. Nobody can hear yeah. you. <laughs> it's just strange to me. But, like, in this scenario, of course you clap because it's like a it's It's, like it's a, a play, you know? Yeah, yeah. A yeah, musical. I think it's pretty cool. Yes, it's like a musical. Good job. <laughs> it's also like a play. <laughs> It's a difference. Yeah. Uh, Um, No, it's certainly very unique. I can't think of any other shows. Not to say that none exist, but I can't think of any other shows that have this amount of audience participation. Um, But it is the record holder for the longest theatrical release in history, um, considering it's like still being played in theaters since its release. 44 years later. Yep, yep. And it's awesome. I mean, you think about it, I said it, it had a $1.4 million budget and it's made over $140 million. So, yep. I mean, how exponentially the movie's success has grown over all this time and how, you know, it's still a thing. People still go out in droves for this shit. Yep. You know, and I, that's honestly what gave me the confidence to know that this might be a viable episode. It's like I'd imagine that at least some of our viewers have done this. You know what I mean? Are, are still <laughs> – or yeah. have seen this movie, and regardless of how ridiculous and stupid it is, you can enjoy it, you know? I talk a little bit later about cult movies, and there's definitely something to be said about this particular movie's cult following, for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, but speaking of musicals, I just, I just wanted to clarify something. You asked me this, and then I think maybe we cut it out of take two, but um, you asked me, like I said, that Richard O'Brien, who is the writer of this movie. He's the co-writer of this movie. He created the play and created all the music and everything, and he plays Riff Raff. He's also the character that sings science fiction double feature. Yes. And you asked me if that was his mouth, and I was like, I don't know. But it's Patricia Quinn's mouth who plays Magenta. So Yeah, that was one of my points. I, I realized that in my research, too. I thought that was cool. Uh, there's a guy named Pierre LaRoche who was responsible for David Bowie's Ziggy Stardust look with like the lightning bolt on his face. Yeah. And he designed the look for Frankenfurter. Oh, cool. Like, it totally seems like something David Bowie could be wearing as well. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's very fitting. Yeah. This movie's filled with a lot of history and a lot of um, technical oddities, I guess. So this movie was filmed at Oakley Court in Windsor, England, and it currently is a hotel now it got like re, not rebuilt, but I guess remodeled as a hotel that people can actually stay. Oh my in. god, I want to stay there so bad. <laughs> I think that would be really really cool. Uh, but during filming, it was actually really like run down. It had no heat, no bathroom, 
and it was very leaky. Like anytime it rained, uh, it was just, the, the set was always wet. And there was a designated warm room where the cast would escape to get warm with the space heater. But then that all stopped when it caught fire. <laughs> so oh my God. That didn't work out. And I also read that because it was so cold and wet all the time that Susan Sarandon actually caught pneumonia during filming and was sick for, for some of the takes. Um, I feel like I, I had heard about that years ago. That's, that's crazy. So the clock in the beginning that had the skeleton in it, uh, that was a real skeleton according to what I read. And I, I'll have the links to the articles that I got this from, uh, very cool in the show notes. Uh, the actor playing Rocky was actually an underwear model and he had no acting experience. And I don't know if this was because of that, but all of his lines were cut and the, his singing was dubbed. The fact that it never sounded like him made me think like maybe it's just something that they were going for. But just the fact that he he just cut an actor sing is funny. <laughs> yeah. to me. It's like, that's why we didn't do it. Right, right. If you look closely when they're doing the scene where they're all on stage after being uh, de-medusa'd. <laughs> oh, and um, they're in their... Um, they're like boas and and their fishnets. Yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, Riff Raff comes in with his ray gun, uh, and there's a part where Susan Sarandon steps on Brad's foot, and Brad has like a a physical reaction to it. And uh, I'll put the the clip in the show notes. And if you're looking, it's at four minutes and twenty four seconds. It's actually kind of funny. Because uh, uh, Brad's kind of pulling her back, and she accidentally stumbles on his foot, and he like he makes a face, and it's it's really <laughs> kind of funny. That's funny. Uh, Tim Curry once said that he attempted to see a midnight showing of the film at Waverly Theater, but he was kicked out by an usher for being an imposter. And then after showing his passport, the usher apologized and invited him back in, but Curry declined. And I appreciate that kind of pettiness. <laughs> I think that was like. <laughs> That was great. The last thing, without repeating myself, there was a sequel that was written, and there are bootlegs of it online somewhere if you dig deep enough, uh, but there was never anything that came about it. That didn't make sense as a sentence. But nothing ever came of it, so. So, okay, so there's, I I, I know what you're talking about, the uh, Rocky shows his heels or something, Rocky Horror shows his heels. Mm Mm-hmm. There is like a follow-up movie with some of the other characters though. Really? Like Brad and Janet are in it, but they're not – the only people that like reprise their roles are Richard O'Brien, um, Patricia Quinn, and Little Nell. And uh, they're, they're playing different characters. It's called Shock Treatment. I See, I saw that. But when I clicked play, it's it played like a music video. Like it was five minutes long. Did I just not click the right link or – Probably not. I don't know that you. I don't know how easy it is to. I've never seen. It. I don't know how easy it is to find. But apparently, it was. It was not very well received. It didn't receive like the cult support that this movie did. And I just kind of. I was looking at that too, and I kind of noticed that it seems like Richard O'Brien has been trying to capitalize on this since it happened. Like, it, he's been trying to make he. Uh, there's another thing he tried to do called Revenge of the Old Queen. And that was that was supposed to be like a like a sequel or you know a follow up to this. Um, I mean, he has been trying to recapture that glory for years and years and years. I feel bad that it never nothing ever worked, but I mean, he is lucky enough to to have had this one stellar success story, you know. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, 
at the end of the day, it's kind of all because of him. I mean, he's mm-hmm. I mean, he's not the main character of of the movie, but he is the reason it's even a movie to begin with, you know? Yeah. Or yeah. was even a musical, so. Mm-hmm. Somewhere I heard uh, there was – it was labeled as like rare interview with Tim Curry. I'll put that in the, uh, the show notes as well. Uh, there was some interviewer talking with Tim Curry and it was really fascinating how – the show kind of started. Uh, he mentioned something about uh, they they did they found a theater that was really run down and it was going to be condemned in like three months. Uh, so they kind of took that opportunity. They kind of swooped in and took it and figured, okay, well, this is a way that we can sell cheap tickets uh, to this show, which brought in a bigger audience. And I think that's sort of where it got its popularity was in this small theater theater got torn down. So they had to move, but like, I guess their success kind of followed them and it, it just kind of grew from there. And then the, the movie came along and he participated in that. And here we are. That's really cool. Yeah. So one thing that I think bothered both of us, let me address this blanket. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> I'm still in my little makeshift soundstage. Um, <laughs> It's hard to see. Okay. Or breathe. So one thing that um, had bothered both of us, I think, was just who the fuck is Eddie? What? Where did he come from? Like, I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, you know, just looked up some stuff about him just to try to clarify some things. I mean, they make it clear in the movie that he is, for at least at one point, uh, Columbia's boyfriend. I think right up until his death, he's Columbia's boyfriend. That Columbia is a tap dancer in the beginning. Yes, the okay. one in like gold, and she's the one that uh, like pink hair with, and yeah, she's the one that's not magenta, the right. maid. Like, right. but she's with her a lot. She and him are both humans. Everyone else is an alien. So other okay. than like Brad and Janet, but all the and and Doctor Scott, but like the rest of those people are aliens. But in Time Warp, where she kind of it, it cuts to her like lyric and she was like i was walking down the street just to having a thing when a snake of a guy gave me an evil wink Mm -hmm. she's talking about eddie and then in hot patootie which is his song the hot patootie bless my soul i really Mm -hmm. love that rock so he's singing about her there um and so okay this is when it gets to the point where it like certain things make sense but i'm like how are we supposed to draw these conclusions um (laughs) so he was like kidnapped by frankenfurter uh, because Frankenfurter was attracted to him. And it's unknown if they really did anything with it. But uh, Frankenfurter got mad at Eddie because he was attracted to Columbia and Columbia was attracted to him. And Columbia left Frankenfurter for Eddie. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're dating or whatever. And then do you remember the cut on uh, Eddie's forehead? Yes. I thought maybe just like when he – Busted out of the deep freeze, he got cut or something. Apparently, Frankenfurter cut out part of his brain to use it to, to use make Rocky. Rocky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it certainly makes sense, and that's kind of cool. But I, <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah, and then uh, and then they ate him. Yeah, I was like, by the end of it, they're both dead. So. <laughs> so I think this is an interesting segue because I did watch some of the remake. Yeah. Not the best, if I'm going to be honest. It felt very like Ryan. Do you know if Ryan Murphy had any hand in that? It felt very Ryan Murphy. Really? No, yeah. I don't. I have it. I don't have any idea. Um, it was fine, 
but the benefit of it was that some of the things from the original movie were better explained. For example, how, and maybe I just missed this. Maybe it's because I've only seen it once, but, uh, it's sort of about how this couple who's so cookie cutter, who just caught the bouquet and now they have to propose because that's just what you do. They get lost in this world of, of freedom and they kind of don't know how to handle it and they end up cheating yeah. on each other. And it's sort of like the, uh, maybe not the benefits, but sort of seeing the other side of the story, the other side of the fence, whatever you want to call it and sort of letting yourself go and be yourself, which is great. But, uh, maybe I'm not sure it was the most clear in the original movie, but it was certainly clear in the remake. Uh, during the part where they caught the bouquet, the whole damn it, Janet, and I'm so mad, Brad, yeah. uh, dancing, singing. It was like they were kind of running away from each other when they were singing and they never were able to like, they would reach for a hand and the hand would like come away. So it was very much like they were almost trying to avoid each other while simultaneously singing about how excited that they were to be engaged. And if you uh, notice that's that, that song's backdrop is a graveyard. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And I mean, I feel like it was pretty understood. You probably, I remember thinking this was like the coolest thing when I first saw this when I was younger, but like Frankenfurter, Riff Raff and Magenta are there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like dressed up as the people that work at the church. Like they're in that. Okay. Yep. Uh, And it's uh, something I've noticed. I'm sure there are many, many more Easter eggs that I just didn't pick up on, but they're dancing and singing in front of a tombstone that's labeled Mary Shelley, which like beautiful. So that makes me happy. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So it's sort of like, like there, here's this marriage that is more of an obligation or something to check off a list rather than like a genuine gesture of affection. Um, and then they get thrust into this world of like pure affection and just kind of having sex with anyone you want. And you know, it's just a very stark contrast. And I think like that is what kind of makes the story so like funny and interesting Yeah, yeah. is that there is like a distinct point where both of them just kind of give themselves over to it, you know, (laughs) they surrender. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's also interesting. I'm sure tons of people caught this, the whole American Gothic theme. Yeah. The guy with the pitchfork and his wife and they're like looking bored as hell. It comes in again with Riff Raff's uh, stun gun. Mm -hmm. He even holds it up at one point. So it looks like, like it looks like a pitchfork and he's standing with her at one point and it, he's holding it in a way that it looks like he's holding the pitchfork. It sort of represents this standard of virtues and uh, how people are supposed to behave and grow up in the Midwest. And um, so that's, that's very clear that even like in the beginning and at the end, I thought that was an interesting theme yeah. that kind of ties everything in together. And you get you wind up with this like direct subversion of all of that. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a very stark contrast, which is it's fascinating. I I will admit, researching this and looking at clips again made me want to rewatch the movie. Like I'm excited to talk about this and I'm I'm converted because now I want to watch the movie again. If only just to see Tim Curry in this ridiculous character that he does so well. It's exciting and it's silly and it's fun. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. I did remember to pick my favorite line. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Let's hear it. I, I cheated though, like you do. The reason I say that is because I have a lyric and I also have a line specifically. I see you picked um, two. 
Yeah. My favorite lyric in the movie is just like the juxtaposition of feelings when Janet bursts through the door of the church and she's like, oh, it's nicer than Betty Monroe had. And then they're all like, oh, Brad. It's just like the (laughs) fucking funniest thing ever. That is my – Time Warp is like always deep in my heart. But Damn It, Janet is like right behind it. I – It's my favorite song in the entire movie, other than Time Warp. It's great. Um, And it's funny because this is also them going through a door. When Brad and Janet uh, arrive at Frankenfurter's castle, and Brad's like, hi, my name is Brad Majors, and this is my fiance, Janet Weiss. I wonder if you wouldn't mind helping us. You see our car broke down a few miles up the road. Do you have a phone we might use? And Riffraff just says, you're wet. And Janet (laughs) is like, Yes, it's raining. <laughs> I do remember you like busting out laughing at that part. He just he gives that like whole speech. He's like, "You're wet." <laughs> it's like, well, there's water falling from the sky. So I thought that was hysterical. I even thought of one more. It just came to me. I don't remember what he says before this, but when Tim Curry said the line, "Even smiling makes my face ache," and he kind of turns away so dramatically and like bites his knuckle. Um, yeah. That's just a great that's just a great moment in the movie as well. <laughs> I don't think any of these lines would play as well if you didn't have these just all-star cast. Yeah. I mean, sure that they're you know, they're not all like the the most known actors, but they all kill it. Yeah. yeah. I think. Like camping it up and, and overacting and being silly and ridiculous, like it just it just adds to this movie so well. I think that's what sets the original version apart from the remake i think the remakes cast was maybe not the best they they weren't as charismatic i think as as the original um and i gotta say i love laverne cox i don't think that she made the best frankenfurter i really don't think that that was the right choice no i i totally get that i've not seen the remake i know that there's been more than one remake but like the one that you were talking about i've not seen it really Um, there's been more than one remake of this yeah, so this one's called like I think it's it's like Rocky Horror Let's Do the Time Warp Again or some some like long drawn out thing. Yeah. At least on television. I don't think it's been like a feature film or anything like that. That's interesting. They were released in theaters, you know. On that note though, is there an actor today that you think could play a convincing Frankenfurter? Oh my gosh. You know what, to be honest with you, no. Right off the top of my head, no. Maybe like in the future we could do like a recast game where I have to actually think about it for yeah. some time. But not in the way that that Tim Curry does it. it. To me, this is like – this is almost like a genie thing where – They would have I, to like, bring their own flair to the character to yeah, – Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. the Robin Williams genie and the Will, Will Smith, Smith genie need to be separate – yeah. In, to a degree. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can both be great, but they need to both – because they're not the same kind of comedian. You right, know what I mean? Right. They're both very talented actors, but they're just different. And I, I, there's no one that could replace Tim Curry in a million no, years. So. Like he is – he's a gem. On that note though, there's something that I read that said uh, that Steve Martin wanted to play the role of Brad in the movie – it didn't work out. I'm not sure why, but I kind of loved that because this movie did very much have like a, a little shop of horrors kind of vibe to it. Yeah. Have you seen that yeah. movie? No, I absolutely love that movie. Yeah. I remember my mom thought 
that Rocky Horror Picture Show was Little Shop of Horrors. She was like, what is this? <laughs> yeah, we That's love funny. both of them in, in, in this house. Yes, I, big fans. Little Shop of Horrors is one of my favorite movies and musicals. Uh, and I had a Venus flytrap uh, named Audrey 3. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. Suddenly Seymour. Anyway. She, yeah, on. she died because I kept putting stuff in her mouth and I didn't realize Yeah, that. you're not supposed to do that. I like, didn't know. Her. I'm not a botanist. I'm not a botanist. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know plants. Jeez. That's a, that is definitely a another musical that is very weird and very like – like these are, they almost feel like they could be cousins. Yeah, these, that's, these two movies. That's what I mean. Sure. They felt very similar. And when I saw Steve Martin's name, I'm like, oh my god, that would have been perfect. Like that feels like just the right fit. Um, we have a friend who is a dentist. You know who I'm talking about. Yes. Um, and uh, I used to always think of Steve Martin when I saw him, and he talked <laughs> about the dentist. And I'm like, I wonder if he does that kind of stuff where he doesn't give him anesthetic and like. Yeah, that's yeah. I I, I love that song. I love that character. It's. I just love that movie. Yeah, it is. It is really good. And I, we did talk about somebody who, do you remember, um, like this is completely off topic, but like on the conversation of Little Shop of Horrors, do you remember uh, saying like who you think would be a good Audrey in Little Shop of Horrors? Oh my God. Ariana Grande. Isn't that fucking great? 100%. such a great idea. Yes. If anyone's she listening and has, and has any kind of connection with any kind of production company that could get the ball rolling on this, Ariana Grande needs to play <laughs> her. I, I totally, I totally agree. I would love that. Like I want, um, I want the whole movie just to see that. I don't care who the other characters are. I just want to see that. <laughs> that's valid. I think maybe someday we should do a little shop of horrors. Cause that was a really fun movie and I don't know too, too much about it, Let's honestly. And I think people like it. Like let's, do a, a, let's do a recast of it too. That would be fun. I agree. That would be fun. Um, and this kind of goes in like I was thinking. I was gonna. I was gonna segue because I'm like, oh, another cult film. But honestly, the movie could have been r- ridiculously successful, and I have, would have no idea uh, because I want to segue into cult films. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking about like people use that term a lot and I don't know if everybody really understands what it means. And I don't know that I fully had ever really just thought about what it actually meant. I watched this interview with Richard Kelly, who's the director of a movie we plan on doing in in season two, Donnie Darko. Okay. And he said that he thinks a cult film is one that wasn't initially received all that well, whether they were too weird or too cheap or too controversial. Not necessarily monetarily, but it could be reviews or audience reaction, whatever. But as time progresses, a passionate group of people rescue that movie from obscurity. <laughs> and he used examples like Wizard of Oz and Vertigo, two movies that because we are in our mid-20s, we would think those are two classics, right? Mm-hmm. But they didn't do well when they came out, apparently. And oh, wow. a group of very passionate fans were able to, I guess, carry on those movies and uh, like – Resuscitate it. Yeah, basically. Like I also saw descriptions that say that the fervor that this group of passionate people exhibit is often displayed by doing things like repeat communal viewings or <laughs> quoting the film or making it more of like a celebration and an experience rather than just a viewing. And it got me thinking of like – um, Sam Raimi's The Evil Dead, 
<laughs> like that movie actually did better than they had anticipated. It wasn't like a giant wide release hit, but it, you know, it, it did perform better than what they were thinking. Mm-hmm. It had a very modest budget. Is this the, um, the Ash versus evil dead? Am I thinking with the Necronomicon? So, Ash versus evil dead is a television show based on this movie. Gotcha. It's the original movie. Gotcha, gotcha. We talked about this. It has, it was uh, evil dead and then the evil dead two. And then, uh, the army of darkness. Mm-hmm. They've made it's had a remake, and I know well, it's a play too. I've seen the play yeah. live. Um, it's funny. And, it's good, and that's the kind of thing. Like yeah. uh, basically, this movie uh, did well, but it was very controversial at first, and ended up with an receiving an X rating. X rating as in like R PG thirteen. So back in the day, there was something that was called an X rating, and it wasn't like trademarked by anyone, so anybody could just slap that on a movie, um, like a. Uh, a distributor could put that on a movie. It wasn't like trademark, like something we would know the MPAA to trademark rated R. You know, only they can give out an R rating now. Mm. Well, when the MPAA, I think it was in the 90s where they were like, okay, instead of having this tr- a non-trademark thing that anybody could just slap an X rating onto a movie, they came out with NC-17 and that and that's their thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So – Uh, And MPAA is like the people who rate movies. It's like this weird, mysterious group of people uh, (laughs) that should be abolished, to be honest with you. But uh, that's a whole nother thing. So it's a very loose comparison, but like it's basically an NC-17 for movies that were released a long time ago. Um, Wouldn't that hurt the sales of your film, though, to label it? Yeah, so like – but it's also – if it's deemed not suitable for young people or whatever, they some people feel like they have to do that. You know, yeah. I don't feel like it's, it was probably not a decision made by people who stood to make but so much money off of it. They 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 needed to keep up appearances and be like, okay, we're not going to put out a movie that's going to scar children for life or something like. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But back to the movie. Even after the X rating, its fan base was big enough and the movie was celebrated enough to spawn a trilogy, a remake, a TV show, video games, musicals. So basically I think that this just refers to a movie, good or bad, you know, received in whatever way, uh, that a number of people rallied behind for it to get more attention and more success than maybe it would have initially. Yeah, yeah. Would The Shining be considered – a cult film? Absolutely. Honestly, that movie was pretty poorly received at the beginning and right, right. is now considered a masterpiece of cinema. My favorite um, cult movie is my favorite movie. It's Halloween. Halloween. <laughs> oh, not yeah. taken seriously at the beginning. Yeah. And it obviously is now considered one of the greatest horror films of all time. A masterpiece of cinema. And at first, you know, sure, it, it made good money, but it a lot of it had to do with like a a group of people celebrating it loudly enough. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, that I think that is wrapping things up for our seventeenth episode in our season finale. Season uh, finale. Yep. Stay tuned. We have a little bit of extra something at the end of this, but um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I really really enjoyed this movie. It's not perfect. It's not even like fantastic but it really has like a special place in my heart and i hope that just like a cult movie normally will it'll grow on you (laughs) it did for me so it's already growing on you that's awesome i fucking said that so it being the season finale of our first season we wanted to play a little game 
and we invite you guys to play it with us as well. It's basically a an abridged version of our top five game. We're going to do top three favorite episodes this season. Ones that we enjoyed the most, ones that we think were the best. And yeah, please, please rank our episodes uh, in comments or wherever you send them to us. Yeah. Thank you for helping me. I appreciate that. I'm the best co-host. Yeah. So, so do you want to go first, best co-host? We just stopped, uh, started our number three pick. I would say my number three is probably Interstellar. I got to say the fact that I didn't put Interstellar on my list pained me a lot. That surprises me. Yeah. Wow. But knowing it's on yours makes me feel better. <laughs> it was just very robust. Uh, it was fun to research. I learned a lot from it. Uh, there's a lot of physics and stuff involved that I think is super fascinating. Uh, and it was just a great movie. Like that's yeah. what a fantastic movie overall. As far as uh, one thing I'll say about Interstellar and why it is so important is that I think it marked the first episode that we had where we were like, wow, we just did something really great. You know what yeah. I mean? Like the <laughs> yeah. first three episodes, sure. Like there were movies that were, well, it was two movies that were really good and then solo, but, um, <laughs> but uh, I, I know I wound up liking Solo, but thank you. I guess my my point is that this is this was one where we were like, wow, like the research that we did, um, and and just the vibe we had, the the rapport that we were able to convey to the audience. Like, I liked that episode a lot. I think that was the mm-hmm. first one where we were like, oh, we we know what we're doing. Like, we I think, or at least maybe we we thought we knew what we were doing. I still only think we know what we're doing, but, uh, I mean, I'm having fun. So that's good. Good enough. That's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. My take three is on here just because of the love I have for this movie. It's not my favorite movie. I felt like that would be too cliche to put movie. Honestly, don't really remember the experience I had doing (laughs) Halloween, but that's not it. Um, it's a more recent one. It's The Village. I love this movie. Watching it every time is such an emotional experience for me. There's also a very large bias with that movie, to be fair. Like, no, it's not your favorite movie, but it might as well. It's, isn't it your second favorite movie it's of my, all time? It's my third favorite movie of all time. Yeah. What is your second again? Kill Bill. Oh, uh, that's right. That's right. See, that's coming up, y'all. We scheduled a lot of episodes. <laughs> but... We have a lot of spaces, so if you have any recommendations, send them to us. Yes. Take3AMP at gmail.com. Send it. Yes, absolutely. But yeah, Village, I think, was just a really, really fun one to discuss, and it was obviously very emotional for me. And I think I maybe understood a little bit more about why it's so emotionally powerful to me by doing a lot of research and hearing your research and stuff like that. So we talked it out. We got to the bottom of my feelings. So... I appreciate it. (laughs) Good. What about your number two? So I don't think there can be a game that exists in this podcast that doesn't have me cheating in it. I feel like my number two choice and my number one choice are tied. There's really like, I can't pick between these two movies just because I say this one first doesn't mean I like it any more than the next one that I'm going to (laughs) say. Um, but The Matrix was a really good episode. 
in yeah. my opinion. That was also, I feel like, a milestone because I had never seen that one. I remember you being yes. really excited about that. That's what makes it so special is because you've seen every movie under the sun except for The Matrix. Yeah. That is the one movie that you have not seen. Well, there's some coming up in season two that I've not seen. <laughs> I'm sorry. I keep talking about season two, but I'm excited. <laughs> Stoked. Uh, but yeah, I think I learned a lot about that movie in the universe that, and it was one of those movies that I went into it and I was like, I know this is an action movie. I know that this is not the movie that I would gravitate toward. I knew it was very popular, but I didn't see myself going into it, like really enjoying it, but I enjoyed it. Like I, it was, it was a great experience. I love that movie. It was, it's a great movie. Um, and it was just fun to research and, and dig into because there's a lot there to, to dig into. So I'm I'm not arguing that it is a great movie. It is not on my list because it left me feeling absolutely disgusting. Like I was like, oh my god, my life is a sham. We live in a simulation, <laughs> and that and that you would rather know. I'm like, I would rather be blissfully ignorant to that shit. Yeah. Do not tell me. Yeah, no, that I really I I really do appreciate that movie. That was a good one for sure. For sure. What's your number two? Logan. <laughs> Logan uh, not only is a very important movie to me because against all odds, I still remain an X-Men fan. I have a lot of really fond memories of when I was younger, being really like obsessed with the X-Men and in particular Wolverine. I, I love that character. That movie is fantastic. And I... The things that I remember about the episode were going through that freaking graphic novel and trying to <laughs> basically like relay that story to you. And that just is just the weirdest, most ridiculous story. Oh, that's right. Like yeah. the fever dream. Yes, I it do remember. It was just so that. strange, <laughs> like with the hillbilly hulks and yeah, yeah. 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 It it's just it was just a, a an episode that I felt like was a good blend of ridiculous and funny and also like it's really kind of sad and emotional the fact that it's like the end of yeah. an era and yeah, the end yeah. of an era that i like lived through and being uh you know so young um i know of many eras that i've you know lived through the beginning and the end of you know what i mean right right yeah yep um okay so we're coming out to number one and i'm starting to think that we may have the same number one. How crazy would that be? It would be we, crazy. I swear to God, we did not discuss this beforehand. I have no idea what his picks were or are. I'm looking at the words right here, and I'm like, of course this is his number one. I don't know why I thought it wouldn't be. Uh, well, I hope that you're correct. Um, Silence of the Lambs? Oh my God, no. <laughs> what did you think it was? Okay, did you never think mind. Cloverfield? Yeah. No, no. Although that is one of my top five favorite movies of all time. I was going to, you know, it's funny. I'm looking at my Instagram because it's like all laid out, like all of our episodes. Yeah. And uh, that one killed me not to include 10 Cloverfield Lane. Um, and I was going to be like, because typical Jordan fashion, I can't just stick to the rules. I was going to be like, oh, honorable mentions include. <laughs> um, and that was going to be one of them because I can't not mention that episode because I love that movie so much. Um, but I just think that Silence of the Lambs was, I think, more uh, profound, maybe. Uh, it was more fun to research. I learned a lot from that episode. Uh, and I really loved reconnecting with that movie because I hadn't seen it in a while. Um, but 10 Cloverfield Lane, I've seen a million times. And I always know that I love that movie. So. Yeah. I think Silence of the Lambs is a better movie. And I 
really loved them both. I think the, both of them were great episodes, and I I was going back and forth between those two. The reason being is that for me, these episodes were experiences, and like not just the movie, but talking and and discussing them and researching them and stuff like that. Like I, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. And on both of those movies, episode ten and episode fourteen we did them together at least one or two takes uh we recorded them in the same room with each other like in your basement oh and okay. uh the reason i just remember uh in episode 10 talking to you about doomsday preppers yes, and we were just sitting yes. in your basement just laughing and like just <laughs> i just remember like i was like this is so much fun i really just had the absolute best time with Cloverfield as far as um, I think we did take one and two for Silence of the Lambs and that was like uh, also just uh, so much fun this is my it's my favorite thing when we get to actually record together but I, I guess I just mean that like they they both definitely have like a, a very special place in in my heart I mean every single one of these I mean I, honestly they all could have wound up on this list I love uh, that that The Shining was like the first movie that we really like argued on. Like yeah. I, I think that was that was really special. Um, That's another honorable mention for sure. Yeah, I mean, you actually agreeing to do Avengers: Infinity War with me, <laughs> which is like was I was more excited for Endgame than like any movie ever, and being able to uh, amp up my excitement by allowing you know infinity war to be one of our episodes i thought that was so amazing there i just don't i don't feel like there's one that i'm not proud of in the bunch i'm really looking forward to season two and we we charted it out if if everything goes well i think we'll have 40 episodes by the end of season two uh you know so it'd be 23 added to this 17 plus quick takes a ton of them Yeah, yeah, so every other every other week we'll do quick take and then a, a regular episode. So you guys can expect so much content coming from us. Uh, and we're looking; it's looking to be in August when we'll be back, and uh, we will update you guys as soon as uh, we can. And um, we are just so excited that we are able to get through this first season alive without killing each other. <laughs> I think we've amassed a, a pretty good following and I'm really proud of everything we've done here. Yeah. I also want to say thank you to everyone who has listened to us so far. Uh, we hope we don't lose you in this transition. We will have much, much more coming. Uh, it'll be uh, way more fun. We'll have way more stuff for you guys. It'll be much more interactive. Uh, and if you uh, want to stay updated with us, we're not going away. Like we will still be active on social media. We will still be checking email. Um, feel free to follow us on all major social media sites. We are take three AMP. That's the number three. And you can also, again, email us at take three AMP at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you guys. And as always, uh, ratings and reviews on iTunes, they help us so, so tremendously. We'd really appreciate it if you guys took a little bit of time and, and did that, that would mean the world to us. Um, so I'm not mocking you. You're going to think I'm mocking you, but I'm not mocking you. I want a, a Jordan doll and I pull a string and it's just like, follow us on, uh, take three amp.com. That's take the number three. 
Sorry I for like that. No, no, no okay. that's great. No, that's Heaven great. Heaven forbid we it's, get a new listener and they try to find our website and they're like, oh, I can't find it. And then we lose that listener. It's so I'm important. Helping us. I know that this stuff is important and I know that you always say it right and I always mess it up, but uh I, I I would like a little doll of you saying that. If you can make that happen, that would be yeah, yeah. really special for me. Don't hold your breath. <laughs> it is your turn to do the outro. So uh, with this, I'm going to say farewell, and I will see you guys in August. I cannot wait. I'm so, so excited for season two. Okay, now that he's gone, let's talk shit about him. Fuck off. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, maybe we maybe there won't be a season two. I'm just gonna <laughs> quit early. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, let's do the outro, which I fucking hate doing, but let's do it. <laughs> Bye, guys. So I just hung up with Jordan, and then I realized that we never asked you all what you thought of this movie. The listener feedback segment completely forgot about it. So sorry. Anyway, we hope that you have enjoyed the entire first season of Take 3, a movie podcast. If you've missed some episodes, we encourage you to please check them out at our website, take3amp.com. That's the number three. Please keep up with us on all social media at Take3AMP. And rate and review us on iTunes. That's like really important. It's like the holy grail of importance for a podcast. As the two-man crew running this show, Jordan and I can't thank you all enough for your support. We hope that you'll stay tuned for a bitching season two. Until then, happy listening. Oh, oh, patient.